Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void where prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. titles in six years. Yes, it is worth cheering for. Welcome into another episode of Musings on Madison here on the Second City Hockey Podcast Network. I'm your host, Dave Melton, managing editor here at Second City Hockey and the usual podcast host with my two usual line mates here tonight. First off, it is the analytics darling of Second City Hockey, Shepard Price. Hi, I'm about as NHL ready as uh, the other guy they acquired in the Brandon Sautrade. I'm not even sure. I don't remember who that is. Anton Lindholm. Anton Lindholm. There you go. Mm-hmm. I, I, I hear Lindholm and I'm thinking Hampus Lindholm, but that's not who the Blackhawks got. That would have been much better. That would have been a much better trade. Yeah, yeah. By the way, uh, how excited are you for Alex Petrangelo's contract to become the next Brent Zebra contract? It's signed when he's 30, which is a little bit rough, but considering how valuable that Shea Theodore contract is, it'll balance out. We'll, we'll, we'll see what you think in 2026. We'll, we'll see about that. And then, and then also with us tonight, it is our site manager, and we've extended him a qualifying offer so he cannot leave in restricted free agency. It is Brandon Kane. Candy corn is good. No, it's not. <gasps> yes. No, yes, it is. You're yes, both... it is. No, it's Two not. out of three, democracy rules. <laughs> Do you live in America? This candy corn sucks. End of story, period. No, candy corn is very good. Oh. No. There's an entire, you're, like... You're having, you're having the wrong brands of candy corn, my friend. There's a... <laughs> what are the other brands of candy corn? It there is candy corn. There are multiple brands of candy corn. There are many brands of candy corn. And they all suck. No, they're all good. I just called? think it's like a, it's a October staple. Like you just have it every now and again. That's fine. No, no, it's not. I mean, there's, there's That's other not. October staples that are quite good and should be enjoyed more than just out of October. Candy corn is good, but yes. candy pumpkins are better. By a mile. Candy pumpkins are Patrick Kane. Candy corn is Anton Lindholm. <laughs> There you go. Is that does that make it does that make it relevant I, enough can, for the can, candy corn is Slater Cuckoo? We can, no, don't you insult Slater NHLer. Cuckoo like that? It's an NHLer. Candy corn is an NHLer. Who, by the way, I don't think has found a place to fucking play next season, which is wild. He's very good. I don't know about very good. I wouldn't call him the candy corn of. Uh, I wouldn't compare him to candy corn. I think that's a little unfair. Uh, you know what? Hey, it's the Blackhawks. They'll, he's a former Blackhawk, so now it is more likely that he would sign with the Blackhawks again, right? One with they don't so. need a seventh defenseman, though. <laughs> yeah, they got 15 of them. Yes. And I think they just traded for another one. 
they have Connor Murphy and then all like all of the seventh defensemen. I actually had a, a dream last night that the Blackhawks traded Adam Boquist to the Florida Panthers, and I can't remember who they got in return. But that tells you where my mind is at: is that I am in my sleep, I am dreaming of the Blackhawks trading away their best prospects. That's where my mindset is at the moment. I just remembered I had that dream. And I'm really upset. I'm really upset. I can't remember the return because I think it was like an actual NHL player. It wasn't some name that my brain just made up. Well, anyway, speaking of the Blackhawks, uh, it's been a busy week. We last talked to you, I think it was last Thursday. And I have the Second City Hockey page open here, and I'm just going to scroll up so we can detail everything that has happened since we last talked to you, which this is the time of the year with, well, it's the part of the NHL calendar with free agency opening up that a lot of stuff usually happens. Tends to be July 1st, not uh, second week of October, but, you know, 2020 and all that. So first off, the Blackhawks announced they will not re-sign Corey Crawford, meaning he's an unrestricted free agent. He has since signed with the New Jersey Devils. Uh, I'm devastated. Many other Blackhawks fans were devastated. Corey Crawford himself said he was devastated. So that happened. And then later on Friday, qualifying offers went out to Malcolm Subban and Dominic Kubelik. They did not go out to Drake Kajula, most notably. And Dylan Strom has a qualifying offer, but he hasn't signed yet. And I believe he's, his, his contract status is still up in the air because he hasn't signed anything yet, but he's still under Blackhawks control. So then I think it was late Friday, maybe Saturday, the Blackhawks signed Matthias Janmark to a one-year $2.25 million contract. They also signed Lucas Walmark to a one-year deal with $950,000. He was with the Florida Panthers last season. The biggest news of the weekend, of course, was Brandon Saad being traded to the Colorado Avalanche along with Dennis Gilbert for Nikita Zadorov, a defenseman, and the aforementioned Anton Lindholm. It seems like Gilbert and Lindholm are pretty much AHL swaps at this point. Zadorov for Saad is the big headline attraction there. And then uh, on – Kind of further down the road about something we have to mention because he used to play at Notre Dame. They also the Blackhawks also signed Kale Morris to an AHL contract. He's likely competing for the number three goaltender spot in Rockford for the upcoming season. And this is the point where we kind of try and process everything that's going on with the Blackhawks because uh, I, I I don't know what's going on. I, we were talking about this a little bit before we came on the air. Uh, I am just as confused as many of the people in Blackhawks fandom right now. And I think a lot of my confusion stems from what Blackhawks general manager Stan Bowman said on Thursday after the decision was made to not bring back Corey Crawford. He said, and I'm going to quote this directly so I don't mess this up. He said, now that we've made the decision, uh, the way that we're going to move forward with youth, there's going to be a lot more things we're going to talk about over the coming days as far as planning next year's team. The NHL's relying on more and more young players. We're going to embrace that moving forward. So if you say that, that sounds like the Blackhawks might be doing this rebuild thing that some segments of the fan base and Shepard Price has been screaming about them doing for two to three years now. But then, as we mentioned earlier, they went out and signed some guys that were kind of not really rebuilding pieces. I mean, you signed Lucas Walmart who is 25. Jan Mark, I believe, is also 25. Or excuse me, he's 27. You traded Saad for Sadorov. Sadorov is also 25. Saad was a little bit older, but I, I guess the whole thing, and, and Shepard Brandon, this is where I'm going to bring you guys in. What the hell are they doing? Uh, 
if they're rebuilding, they're doing it really poorly because uh, they're not going to play Ian Mitchell 60 games. If they're, if they're like the season is expected to be around 60 games, they're not going to play Ian Mitchell all the games. And if you're rebuilding, you probably put your best, one of your best prospects in all the games now that he's NHL eligible. You, you would think so. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, they have a lot of like fifth defensemen now with Zadorov being the latest one. Uh, they traded Brandon Saad for no futures. Um, yeah, they're, they're not – the players that they're acquiring are not, quote, young players. No. They're all, like, mid to upper 20s. Both Which, of the guys they got from Colorado were 25. They traded the youngest, the youngest player in that trade and also the best player in that trade. Yeah. And it's one thing – I mean, I don't think Saad was going to fetch, like, Bowen Byram, but there had to be somebody else down in the Colorado farm system that might have a decent NHL future – that seemed like it could have been attainable if you're the Blackhawks? If nothing else, a second-round pick. And, and I guess and this kind of springs board into my, my other big issue with this, and, and you touched on it a little bit, Shepard, about like where does Ian Mitchell fit in the, in the lineup for next season right now? If you're going to go into this rebuild, or whatever it was that Bowman was hinting at when, in, uh, last Thursday, by signing uh, Walmart and Janmark, those are two bottom six forwards. They might be fine players. I, I, it's, it's not necessarily objecting to the players. It's that you are now clogging up your bottom six forwards for instead of maybe giving those, uh, giving those positions to guys who've been in Rockford and are trying to make the leap to the NHL level. I mean, this might be affecting like the Philip Kurashevs, Mackenzie Entwistles, yep. uh, maybe even Evan Barrett if he decides the – if he looks like he's NHL ready all of a sudden, now you don't have room for any of these players that you're supposed to be counting on for your future. And then going to the blue line, adding Nikita Zadorov, like who, again, might be a fine top four, maybe like a second pairing defenseman, could be a reliable, sustainable guy, but his presence in the lineup could mean you don't have a spot for maybe Nick uh, Bodan doesn't have a spot, maybe Lucas Carlson doesn't have a spot, maybe Ian Mitchell doesn't have a spot, and then you're not – playing the young players that you just said you were going to play. Brandon, what do you think about all of this? So in Bowman's speech, whatever you want to call it, he never said rebuild. So it's not a rebuild. Yeah. He said embrace young players coming through. So I see that as he's coining it as a youth movement. So did they bring in younger players? Yes. So he's <laughs> following through with that. But there's the back half of that where it doesn't make sense because Zach Smith is presumably still injured. So they weren't able to buy him out because a player has to be healthy for them to be able to do that. And then there's the unknown status of Andrew Shaw, who can post as many workout videos on Instagram as he wants, but until he steps on the ice, no one's going to believe that he's going to play again. And you have those two looming players and the signings of Yanmark and Walmart which is going to be weird to be saying in the, like throughout this whole next season. Um, bringing those two guys in signals that Smith and Shaw are not going to be on this team next year. I and, mean, they, they were barely on the team last year, though. Like, right. I know they were on the roster, but they hardly played because of injuries. Yeah. I mean, Zach Smith did have that dad goal game in Montreal. He did. He scored two goals, and everyone's just like, Zach Smith scores goals? You know, it says he played 50 games that season, and I would have taken the under by a mile. Oh, so yeah. I played 26. I thought it would have been closer to that. 
Yeah, that would make more sense. I think it's like November 29th or 30th was of 2019 was Shaw's last game. Yeah. Uh, and that could have also been five years ago at this point. Oh, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> so I think it's more of those two signings were to replace those two players because you take Sod out, you put Pia Suter in, and they're going to have probably Nylander in the top nine as well. Danmark is there. Yeah, I made the same noise that Shepard did. <laughs> and then Walmart maybe could be the third center if Strom's not there. And it seems like they're set with that fourth line of Highmore, Camp, and Carpenter. And Highmore isn't waiver exempt anymore, I believe. So, and and really quick, a quick aside: Has there been any movement on Dylan Strom? I feel like it's been unusually quiet around him. Yeah, I was fully expecting them to sign him around. Like I, I thought for sure he'd be under, especially after they made all these deals. The the sod trade knocks five million off the books for next season. I feel like that makes the Dylan Strom signing easy. Yeah, there's been nothing. Okay, that's. I just want to make sure I hadn't missed anything. But here, here's my my question, Brandon. Like you said, the Blackhawks got younger a little bit. Okay, like they they obviously got significantly younger at the goaltender position because Crawford is 35. And Subban, Dealey, and Lankinen, who are one of them is going to be the starter next year, those guys are all mid-late 20s. I think Subban's like 26, 27-ish, something like that. Yeah, he and Dealey are both 26. Either, either way, they got about 10 years younger in net. But yep. I don't understand. This, this has like forever been one of the things that the, the Blackhawks, I feel like they've been doing this for a decade. This isn't a new thing, but they have openings in the bottom six at the NHL level or like on the third pairing. And instead of maybe like reserving that spot for a young guy, they sign a, you know, a three or four year NHL veteran and let him take the spot. I don't understand, especially now, if you're going to commit to all these young guys, why not just call up Entwistle and let him play? Maybe give Philip Kurashev a look, maybe give, I mean, Dylan Sakura could have had this look. He's not with the team anymore, but God help me. If they put Brandon Peary in any of these spots, I'm going to throw myself off of a bridge into the Chicago river. But I don't understand why they're not letting their own prospects do this. I feel like they're they're doing the same shit they've been doing for three years. They're clogging the pop line, the clogging the pipeline with veterans who are okay but certainly don't have a high ceiling instead of allowing your own prospects that you drafted and allegedly have been developing and call them up to the NHL level and see if they can swim at the NHL level. I think it's because Stan Bowman knows this team has to be as good as possible or else they'll get fired because the next management will probably realize, oh, there's better rebuilders out there like Ron Hextall. Well, all right. That, that kind of I, – I, we're going to come back to that because there's no way – unless Delia Lankinen or Subban morph into something that they haven't been in so far in their careers, this team is going to be fucking awful next season. I, I don't have a better way to describe it because – we like we all talked about how much how many shots chances attempts they gave up they got scolded in possession every night um all the possession numbers were way in favor of their opponents and the only reason that they were 23rd in the league remember this like they got into the playoff format they were 23rd out of the 24 teams the only reason they made it is because Robin Leonard and Coy Crawford played out of their minds last season now you're going to take What's probably a very similar defense. I don't see any argument that it's gotten better. You're going to take that exact give up 86 shots a night defense 
and you're going to throw three, one of three goalies who are unproven at the NHL level behind it. How is that going to be anything other than a lottery team? I mean, those guys are used to seeing those levels of shots in Rockford. But, okay, but does that mean they're going to stop them at the NHL level? I mean, there's only one way to find out. <laughs> right. That's there's also there's also the argument that when he's played consistently, Malcolm Subban's not as bad as when he's cold. I I I hear that, and I won't discredit it, but it's it's a it's a big ask to you have you're essentially asking Delia Lankin or Subban to recreate what Leonard and Crawford did last season, which is or, I don't think it's possible. I think yeah, I think nine fifteen I think nine fifteen from Subban as a starter is possible with like nine twenty nine twenty five now. And again, it's not like they were a good team last season. So, so this, again, and this is where the whole, like, if the Blackhawks were, I know Brandon said that Bowman never used the word rebuild. But if you're going to commit to young players, I think that that's like trending in that direction. It gets into a very semantics argument. And I've always maintained, no, if Taves, Kane, and Keith are still here, it's not a rebuild. But if you say you're going to play younger players, it seems like it only applies to the goaltending position right now. Yes, I, I mean, it does. It only applies to the goaltending position. This is where we had to – we were talking about this beforehand, so I want to add this caveat. It's only like a week into the offseason. There could be more moves coming that make these moves make sense. Um, so there is potential for – maybe there's a bigger picture we're not seeing yet. However, I have significant doubt in believing that that thing exists. It, it seems like they're they're doing the exact same thing they've been doing the last two or three years. They're trying to – tread water right in the middle instead of going full rebuild or going for going for it all and trying to win another cup. And now it seems like they're just going to be really bad while trying to do that as well. Yeah. They're going to be the Buffalo Sabres. These are also two one-year contracts. So that, that is fair. If it works, then it works and you can bring them back. If not, then you would assume that, a full season because Kershaw missed 20 plus games with a concussion last season that he could step into a top nine role. Um, and maybe Evan Barrett is there as well. Um, and Brandon Hagel too, but he's more of a fourth line guy. Brandon Hagel is the exact kind of guy that I feel like should be getting a look next season over Lucas Walmark or Matias Janmark. Like if if you're gonna, I would pay over Janmark. Yeah, I actually like the Janmark signing. I, I I don't. It's yeah. I I don't mind the signings, and I've. It's a one year contract, like Brandon said. So it's not like they're going to be on the books forever. So it's, it's less offensive that way. But it's still. I feel like the principle of, you're just getting more guys in the way of your own prospects. Yeah. So I don't. I don't get it. I, I don't understand why they always come back to this. I mean, they're not filling this. They don't have to fill the stadium. Like, so if you're going to be shit, you might as well be shit. Now. <laughs> well, I, and, and that's fine. Like, and that's fine. But I then say that, like, say, you know, maybe don't, like, I, I don't think any uh, GM is going to honestly say, we're not going to have fans anyway. So we're going to play like shit and tank and try and get into the lottery next year. But you can say like, we're having a more long-term focus. We're trying to rebuild whatever phrase you want to use for it. But they, they're not saying that again for like the third, fourth off season in a row. So they used retooling already. So yeah. what else would be used? They, they need a better, 
they someone needs to sit down in the Blackhawks front office with a really good thesaurus and just pick a really good word to describe what it is they're doing right now. Reassessing. <laughs> Reassessing's not bad. I'm I'm reassessing how much Blackhawks hockey I want to watch next year. I'm reassessing how much Blackhawks hockey I have to watch because I'm counterbalancing it with Vegas. And and then I guess the other like elephant in the room with this whole situation, and I feel like this will be a discussion we get into later, is I still don't even know if I want the head coach that they have in place to be the guy. No. I, I'm hoping if they're bad this season, they just like realize, okay, time to move on. <laughs> yeah, I don't I, see like, that happening. Say that again, Brandon? I don't see that happening. Right, unless they just bring in a new GM. Because the new GM will be like, oh, yeah, it'll, it's really easy to bring in my own guy right now. Well, it's – it's like, it's kind of, uh, it's just, it's, it's that weird in between spaces. You don't know if they're trying to win or not. So if they suck next season, maybe they don't fire Colleton because maybe they don't care if they lose 60% of the games next year. But there, there also should be some sort of development of some of the younger prospects, your Adam Boquist, your Ian Mitchells, so, of players of that nature. Because – Again, this goes back to this uh, something we've been talking about for two years now, it feels like. Like, you have Taves and Kane under contract through 2023. So, unless you, they're trading them soon, the assumption that I am making is that they want to try and get one more cup run out of their careers. So, they're taking – looks like they're taking a small step back now trying to develop some younger players. But – I feel like they were closer to potentially winning a or contending for a comp by 2023 a week ago. And all the moves that they've made in the last week in the last week have taken them so far away that I don't even know if it's attainable anymore. They're hardly spending any money in goal. So like maybe they go for a trade or a free agent signing next year. That would be an optimistic view of things. There you go. Right, but who's available next year? Took a rask. Well, there, yeah, there could be. It, it is an unprecedented. I mean, those are Grubauer. That's about it. Yeah, it, it is an unprecedented financial time. So a lot of NHL teams are probably going to be losing. Mo- they've already lost plenty of money, I'm sure, because they didn't have fans for the playoffs, and they lost, you know, the last dozen games of the regular season. And having fans next season seems questionable at best. So they're going to continue losing money. So. It'd be like it'd be understandable if some team said, "Hey, we don't have the money to pay. You know, we don't have the money for eighty-one and a half million dollars of salary. We can't get up to the cap ceiling this year. So we got, you know, maybe they got to stay in the low to mid seventies, whatever. But again, I feel like that's something you can say. I feel like you can say that out loud. I think people understand it's a really shitty time financially for any type of business anywhere, even a massively successful NHL organization like the Blackhawks are. But it just it it's it feels like another situation where they say things publicly and they do things privately and you don't know what exactly is true. Well, I, I guess that we can we stay in that vein. Do you guys like say the hypothetical is trying to contend by twenty twenty three? Do you see this team being able to do that now after the last week of movement? Shepard, go first. It depends on how good the prospects are that they get uh, in the next two drafts. But also, Nick Bodan needs to be really good. Ian Mitchell needs to be really good in, in their NHL transitions. Um, 
Well, and and you, you said the next two drafts. The guys they get in the next two drafts aren't going to be here by 2023. Luke is right. Reichel might if, be here by then. I, I mean, if they if they get a lottery pick this year, that, right, that person's it. probably – like, Aturati's probably here. Um, <laughs> You're but, already, already dropping the prospects for next year's I've, – I've seen that name somewhere. Yeah, him and Owen Power are, like, the two guys contending for number one next year. There's, like, it's, there's not a Lafreniere or a Byfield, but those are the two guys. Um, yeah, it's – I don't see them contending – it, 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 uh, in Duncan Keith's – the rest of Duncan Keith's career if he plays out his career in Chicago. Yeah, well, I and, – and he's, you know, pushing 40 at this point. Like, yeah. I, I mean, even more like Taves and Kane, like, I don't see – I don't see how they're competitive in the next three seasons right now. Well, yeah. like, like, the thing you said, like, if, if all the prospects freak off and, you know, if out of that Mitchell Boquist and all those guys, you know, if you get two or three top four guys out of that group – yeah, they're, they're probably be in pretty good shape. Yeah, um, if Michael Tepley takes two more steps forward and turns out to be a, le- a first-line left wing. Yeah, or and, and then you need a goalie too. But yeah. I guess that's something that you could potentially get in free agency. Brandon, what about you? Do you how do you feel about – has this changed your outlook on the short-term health of the Blackhawks? I don't see a path to the Western Conference final for them. I could see them making the playoffs and like winning in a series, but I don't see them getting to the Western Conference final. I mean, you, we can shorten the answer. Like, do you see them beating the Colorado Avalanche in a seven-game playoff series? Because that's how is, – is that why you said Western Conference Final? Because it or seems – say that again? Or the Jets. No, okay. But either – like, you have to Do you have faith in the Jets getting good? I have no faith in the Jets getting good. I think Hellebuck can hold his water. Either way, it's hard to see the Blackhawks beating their own divisional opponents. Yes. Colorado is the one for me. Like, I don't see how they stop the McKinnon, Kale McCarr machine that is being assembled in Denver. That guy I also don't think the Abs win the Cup next year. but You do or I don't? Don't. Why not? I feel like a team in the East wins um, and everyone, like, loses their mind. I just want to have a hockey season next year at this rate. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. I agree. Oh, we'll, we'll cross that bridge when we get there. I mean, and, and the Avs just added a pretty damn good uh, top six four. They, he should, Sam might be on their third line. I read somewhere him and uh, Kadri might be the, the pairing out there. Those two and oh. then the third guy with them. It doesn't, I don't think it really matters if the third guy is with those two. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's a damn good start to any line. Put me on that line and we'll, we'll, we'll have a, it will be successful. Two good beards. Oh, is that me? Is that me inside you're talking about, or are you talking about Kadri inside? Kadri inside. Oh, okay. Yeah, the latter. Sorry. I've been I've been working on it in quarantine. Um, <laughs> whoa, we're talking about hockey? Yeah. I don't know. I I've been going through my head just trying to sort out all these thoughts, and it just I just keep coming to this giant question, and I don't want to go full Taylor Twelman in this situation, but I don't. Wh- what are they doing? I, I don't I don't get it. I don't understand it. I don't I don't know I don't understand what the short term plan is. I don't understand what the long term plan is. I, I really don't feel like Stan Bowman has a plan. And again, that's a problem that needs to be addressed. I don't think Stan Bowman is the GM for this franchise long term. Yeah, I, I I think all the problems keep coming back to that point that he shouldn't be here anymore. I think they got rid of the problem in April. McDonough? Yep. They need to replace him. They need like an actual president that isn't the son of words. 
You must be new around here. I I like I, I had money on the Blackhawks betting Tay uh drafting Brizen because his dad is Taves and Kane's agent. Nepotism is alive and well in the Blackhawks organization. They have enough players that are scouted as his exact ilk. So Yeah. I'm just I'm still very confused by this team. And and it feels like every offseason it ends up being a thousand times more confused than I was beforehand. It's like, and there's like good pieces here too. It's just like getting everything else figured out. Like Alex Rinkhead exists. And I think he, if he does bounce back, then he's still a good player. Kirby Doc is a first line center, I think in the next three years. Like all these guys that are really good exist on the team. It's just like the rest of it is no good. And they still have Patrick Kane. And I, I've always maintained that as long as they have Patrick Kane on the roster, they have a head start over everybody else in the NHL because, or I'd say all but maybe five or six teams in the NHL because very few teams have a guy with the offensive ability of Patrick Kane. And you only have that, that weapons or, or that, that has a clock on it. It's, it's like eventually father time's going to catch up to him. I, I hope it's still for three or four or five years, but regression's going to show up at some point. And if they don't, you know, they already won three cups, so I'm trying not to get, like, two – it's just – it feels like there's more bites at the apple available to this group, and they are fucking up those opportunities. But we got some other things related to the Blackhawks to talk about, and we're going to do that after this break. So uh, come back on the other side of this timeout and find out what those things are. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. Welcome back to Musings on Madison. And as promised before the break, had one more Blackhawks-related item that we wanted to dive into a little bit here. And it, it's, it's related to everything we were talking about in the first half of the show with all these potential rebuild or not rebuild or retool or reassess or whatever the hell it is the Blackhawks are doing. One interesting thing that popped up over the weekend that I feel like I haven't seen before was uh, Mark Lazarus of the Athletic reached out to Jonathan Taves who offered some thoughts about some of the moves that the Blackhawks made and the fact that he even agreed to the interview I thought was interesting because hockey players in general, like once the off, once the season ends, they do the free agency stuff. And then you don't hear from anybody until they show up for training camp, typically in September this year, who knows? But the fact that Taves only not only answered the call, but then answered questions and said what he said was very interesting. I'll read some of the quotes here from directly from Taves that were uh, mentioned in this article. I've never been told that we're going through a rebuild. This has never been communicated to me for that matter. A lot of this comes as a shock because it's a completely different direction than we expected. And then uh, further down the article, Taves says, it's sad. It's really disappointing. Crow was given so much of this team. I feel he's ready to bring more in the next few years and still be a big part of this group. He had that mindset that he could help this team go deep in the playoffs again, and there's no doubt that he could. And a quick aside, I don't like I know Crawford wanted to play a lot, but he's going to New Jersey and 
who boy, like I they did they even make the twenty four team playoff format? No. No. They're they're not good either. So I guess Crawford will be well versed in playing behind poor teams. But anyway, back to the Jonathan Taves thing. I found this article and this whole interview very intriguing because, like I said, Taves usually doesn't give much to the media, and he's usually rather tight-lipped about things of this nature. Like, he's been pretty good at not throwing anyone under the bus. seems like he's – there's things he's not thrilled about. So, Brandon, I know someone who's been in the locker room and actually done some of these interviews too. Uh, what was your reaction when you saw Taves actually say some of the things that he said in this I think it was probably the most forthright that Taves has been in an interview about the direction of the franchise. And it didn't come as like, this is my former teammate now and friend that's being put away. It's like, no, this is a guy who could legitimately help us make a deep playoff run with Crawford. And you can't dispute that because he's done it before he's been playing at a high level of late. And now we have three unproven guys game four against Vegas exhibit a your honor. Like that's all you have to do. He, he, he just did it a month or two ago. Yeah. And I don't think that the direction needs to be directly communicated with the players as to like, Hey, we're making, this transaction, we're doing this, but a general overview of getting your top veterans in line with the thinking the organization is taking moving forward, especially since they're locked in with no movement clauses, I feel like would have been a smart way to communicate things. And on top of that, when you bring in a head coach, from the AHL level and the number one selling point on him is communication. It doesn't look great. Granted, he's not the one making these moves, but if you're to put him in place and say, he's the head coach, he's great at communicating. And then the front office from Taves's account, it seems doesn't communicate that with the players. It's putting Colleton in a really bad spot because he's like, the, the middleman in this and that's how it should be, but not in like a breaking communication like it appears to be. Yeah. And the other thing is you probably do need to run all the moves by tapes because he's the captain and also the right. player's representative. Um, he's like the, I think one of the very few who's captain and player's representative. And he's also uh, uh, being paid $10.5 million because he won three Stanley cups with this team and is, going down as one of the best Blackhawks of all time and is one of the most beloved sports figures in the last decade in Chicago. Um, one of, probably one of maybe the most beloved uh, sports figure in Chicago since Jordan. Um, you probably do need to run moves by him, if not I, others. I would think so. Like, it, I, like, like Brandon said, like you don't have to tell him like every single thing that you're doing, but if, if you're going to make – a move towards like if you're essentially throwing away next season, trying to get into the lottery and then maybe try and put something together in the following year. Maybe you tell them like, Hey, you know, just a heads up. We're probably going to suck next year because we're trying to build some pieces up to get another shot of the cup. And it feels like if anybody has earned that 
I don't know what the word I'm looking for here is. Earn the right to be told of these things. It should be Jonathan Taves and related Patrick Kane and Duncan Keith. Although Keith could yeah. be like up on a boat in Manitoba somewhere and nobody can reach him anyway. So yeah. there is that. But British especially point. when it's the especially when it's the goaltender that like has been so critical to this team's success for the last five, ten years, and also his line mate. Yeah, that are yeah. like the two biggest moves, two biggest pieces moved off of. Yeah, I yeah. I feel like Jonathan Tate should be told if his line mate might be getting traded away, especially like the guy that's they won two cups together with Taves and Saad playing together. So and and who he apparently or maybe specifically asked for, and that's what got Artemi Panarin traded. Right. Yeah. So I. It's just it's it seems like poor people management to not let your veteran players know because. If, if you're making all these moves, you're going to be relying on your veteran players even harder to be better because all these young guys are going to be learning things at the NHL level. So they're going to have to be carried by the Taves and Canes of the roster. And maybe that's a thing that they don't want. Like that, that's, that gets to another point to where, like I, I said earlier, like I've always maintained it's not a rebuild if Taves, Kane, and Keith are still here. Yeah. And, and like – you know, we haven't heard from Patrick Kane. That's par for the course. I'd love to know what he's saying. There's a few articles or a few people I've seen reference sources close to the the core, which after reading John Dietz's article in the Daily Herald makes me think it's Christopher Stieg. But anyway, uh, that there is some discontent among those players. And Patrick Kane seems to be the one, the, the most uh, wanting to win no matter what. Like, like Taves, it feels like he's kind of, you know, he's, he understands the face of the franchise. He's a captain. I feel like Kane is the one that's like, if we're not going to win here, get me the fuck out of here. And I'm going to go play somewhere else where we're going to go for a cup because he probably, like we were saying earlier, like he may not be able to play like this way forever. And he probably knows he's got maybe four or five years before some of the skills start regressing off him. So maybe he wants to get another playoff run out of whatever abilities he has left. Again, I, I, I think I've said the word confused 86 times, but that's just the word that keeps coming back to me. They're adrift. They're directionless. <laughs> a, a rudderless ship in the ocean? Up a river without a paddle. Ugh. I, I'd want to believe that there's some other move coming down the road. I mean, maybe a trade of Duncan Keith or a trade of Kane. I don't know. Something that would signify, yeah, they're, they're really going into this rebuild. But it just – <laughs> Looking at that roster right now, I was scrolling down at the Cap Friendly page at what this team could look like for next season, and it ain't pretty. I mean, there's just the, – the top six is bereft of talent. Now, well, I shouldn't say bereft of talent completely because you still got Taves Kane, a potentially revitalized DeBrinket, and Dominic Kubalik, but – And Doc. And, and Doc. Well, yeah, I guess – so. Yeah, I guess the hope is Doc is a top five guy next season. But, like, I remember last season when there were several times when we looked at the Blackhawks forwards and thought, yeah, that that's like a playoff talent level. There, That's a, a enough talent to get you into a playoffs looking at the Blackhawks forwards. And that was before we knew Dominic Kubalik was going to score 30 goals. And now I look at it and it's like – Still good, but I feel like they're going to need a good blue line to help them out. And then you look at the Hawks' blue line, and you're like, shit. Also, good, added, good blue line looks at Blackhawks' <laughs> looks at Blackhawks defense. Yeah, and I mean, I there there is the the nice going to what Brandon mentioned earlier with one year deals. 
Zadorov is on a one-year contract that I believe he signed either just before or just after the trade. One-year deal, $3.2 million. So if it doesn't work out, he's off the books next year. But then you traded away Brandon Saad for ultimately nothing, and that's really aggravating. I mean, but a year of Brandon Saad, and who knows, they could I mean, easily man, just bring him back. They hung, on on hung on to Brandon Saad and traded him at the deadline to a team that really needed – it feels like they got a first-round pick for Ryan Hartman a few years ago. So – well, that's because Nashville's stupid. They also got a fourth-round pick. Maybe. I'm sure Nashville's got another first-round pick to trade away again. <laughs> Nashville thought it was doing a Barclay-Goudreau trade, yeah. which it was not. In which that, that Ryan Hartman trade for the first-round pick became Nicholas Bodan. So maybe – so we'll see if that trade ultimately did work out for the Blackhawks. But The fourth was Kershaw. And the fourth was oh, – there you go. It could have been a very good trade for the Blackhawks. But we'll see. I, I mean, it already I, is. Ryan Hartman's going to have a jersey for every single team in the Central. He's going to play for all of them. <laughs> we'll see. I, I think we'll have to watch the next couple of weeks in the offseason. Like, I remember the day that they traded Saad the first time – or, excuse me, they, they traded Panarin to get Saad back, and they traded Yalmerson within, like, 45 minutes of each other. And I think it was, like, in the middle of July or something. It was a day that's supposed to be quiet on the NHL calendar, if I remember correctly. And all of a sudden, everything happens. So maybe, maybe that's what the Blackhawks are trending towards right now. They they got some deals cooking that you know maybe r- around Halloween we'll we'll figure out we'll get a better look at the picture that they're building for the future. But right now, I just I got questions and and I got no answers, and that's uh it's not a fun spot to be in. But uh, I think we're gonna start wrapping up this here episode of Musings on Madison. So Brandon Shepard. Do either one of you have any final thoughts to offer on this whole situation? Gerard Gallant is still had, doesn't have a job. Just FYI, just a general <laughs> thought. Gerard Gallant still out there. I, I think I feel like any coaching moves that would have been made are done. So I feel like he's still going to be available until next season. So you can keep uh, the Gerard Gallant in your shrine of your uh, your house is going to need a few more candles to make it through the rest of the off season, and then maybe he'll uh, find his way to Chicago later. At the minimum, fire Thomas Patel because we needed power play. <laughs> that That is the most evergreen statement about the Blackhawks you can come up with. <laughs> Brandon Kane, what about you? That sod return was the day of the draft. Okay. I, 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 I stand – I sit corrected. <laughs> so I guess that is a, a bigger day then. But it was, it was like in the morning because yeah. I, I, I was – busy with work and like my phone was exploding in my pocket because something was going on. Like not now I'm busy. Then I looked like, Oh shit. But uh, any of any other things that add Brandon, other than correcting me when I mess up (laughs) once again, Uh, it's just going to be a long off season. So be patient and don't lose your mind on Twitter. If they trade an AHL guy. So when they uh, make that move to trade Anton Vadim to someone else, I shouldn't get too upset about it. Probably not because he's in Sweden doing his own thing. <laughs> okay. I will I will contain myself if the Blackhawks trade John Quinville for someone. Yeah. Well everyone will be like, remember when he played in game two or whatever, three or whatever? On on the top fucking line. See, see, I'm doing it already. <laughs> need, to, need need to detox this offseason. Well, I, I think that'll do it for this episode of uh, Musings on Madison. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. We very much appreciate it. Uh, stay tuned to secondcityhockey.com. If any more Blackhawks news breaks in the next week, we will write about it. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at 2ndcityhockey. 
I'm at underscore Dave Melton. Shepard's at underscore Shepard Price. Brandon is at Brandon M. Kane. Uh, subscribe to the podcast, wherever it is you get your podcast. We'd also seriously appreciate any five-star reviews that you could leave for us. We very, very much appreciate those. Um, so thanks again for listening. Stay safe. Wear a mask. Hope this all – seriously, wear a mask. It's, shit's getting really bad out there. So do all those things. And as always, go on.